Hi everyone and welcome to our podcast In Good Company. I'm Nicola Tangen, the CEO of the Norwegian Sovereign Wealth Fund. In this podcast, we talk to the leaders of some of the largest companies we are invested in so that you can learn what we own and meet these impressive leaders. Today, I'm speaking to Tim Hutches, the CEO of Deutsche Telekom, the largest telecom provider in Europe. Deutsche Telekom has 250 million mobile customers in more than 50 countries. We own over 2% of Deutsche Telekom, translating into 21 billion kroner or 2.1 billion US dollars. And guess what? We have been invested in Deutsche Telekom for 25 years. Tim is a very impressive and strong leader of Deutsche Telekom. It's a fascinating company and he is a super interesting person. Tune in. Guten Morgen, Deutschland. Alles gut? Good morning, Nikolai. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for having me. Fantastic. Now, we are here with uh, Tim Hotkes, uh, the visionary leader of Deutsche Telekom. Uh, he has transformed how millions connect and communicate. And so it's very interesting to have a deep dive, deep dive into the world of telecommunication. So thank you for coming on. Now, what are the, what are the major trends in the telecom sector that really excites you today? Look, the first thing is um, 5G and fiber is uh, the enabler of, of the next generation wealth. Um, uh, everything is getting connected. Everything is connected. And without networks, nothing is working. So um, uh, our company has a big purpose. Um, we are connecting not only societies, but we are connecting as well um, uh, the flying wheel for the business industries um, uh, in this env environment. What are the big trends? The first trend is, you know, more data available everywhere. Um, always best connected. Second, it's about new business models. You know, um, we have on the one side the Web 3.0 development, digital twins in the B2B area. Um, on the other side, AI is enabling um, a lot of new services as well our industry. Um, and on top of that, um, uh, the, the world, the globalization only works while people are talking. And um, today, 5.3 billion people of 8 billion are connected. Um, and we are at the verge of it. I believe, you know, for a society which is living better together, connectivity is a must. What are the challenges now? <laughs> Look, the challenges are big. Our industry, because people think connectivity is a human right. A lot of, let's say, political influences are taking place on our industries everywhere. Um, and um, I think the biggest challenges are different uh, on the continents. Um, Deutsche Telekom is only operating in the Western world. I think that's a big advantage. You know, it why, is, why, why is that a big advantage only to be in the Western look, world? The, the 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 values are the same between the US and Europe. Um, uh, the cash, you know, is easily to, uh, transferable between this Western world. The decoupling and the geopolitical situation which we are facing this year, uh, this uh, this times, is something which is affecting telecommunication as well. Sixty percent of the internet today is not anymore an open internet. Um, it is politically limited in its um, uh, in its possibilities. But we as Deutsche Telekom, are only operating in the Western world, uh, in the US and in Europe. Um, and that's a strong advantage. On top of do you, that... Do you, think, do you think the split between the two parts of the world becomes, will become stronger? I, I see that every single day. And I believe this world is fragmenting um, more and more. 
individual interests are more important than the global society. Um, and therefore, yes, uh, I strongly see a trend that the fragmentation will go on. See what's happening with the BRIC states in, the, uh, in Africa. Think about, let's say, uh, Russia and its allies. Think about China. Um, and therefore, being the North Star for the Western world with regard to one of the most important products, connectivity, I think that's an asset. Mm-hmm. Did 5G actually change your life? Look, change your life. Um, to be honest, we haven't really found a business case for 5G because people like to have more connectivity. They like to have it faster. Um, and um, they don't see the uh, advantage of low latencies um, uh, yet. But it was always the case. I'm in a veteran in this industry. So I'm here more than 25 years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was a question, why should we send pictures? Does that some does somebody needs that? Why three G services? And today, if we have a three G service, we're already complaining because we need the data throughput. We want to see the videos. We want to share everything with our um, mm. spouses, you know. And the industry is getting connected, and the same is happening with five G. You know, mm. I see this that this low latency is getting important for um, the car industries. Um, to be always best connected. It is an is- issue which we see um, in um, the connection of uh, with home office and the way of collaboration across uh, um, different countries. So therefore, yes, um, the 5G cases um, will uh, uh, show their impact, especially in the IoT sector. Mm. No, no, I can see that from my own family WhatsApp group. There are no limits for what <laughs> a family can share in terms of yes. potentially uninteresting things. But what's coming up next? What's next after 5G? By the way, we see a 30 to 40% data traffic increase every single year. And our mm. industry is producing this without any additional revenue increases. So therefore, you know, Moore's law is hitting us even more than uh, in the classical IT industry. So um, we have to find ways of being more productive. We have to automate our services. We have to make it as well in the 5G space easier for developers to connect to the infrastructures. We have started an initiative from the whole Uh, um, mobile industries, uh, GSMA, um, to open up APIs that developers can work on the different slices, as we call it, in the 5G. So if you don't need low latency, you don't get it. If you need high latency uh, for highly automated services in the production area, uh, you can experiment that. If you want to have, let's say, just the connectivity, you can work on the different features of the uh, 5G ecosystem. So this will be a new trend that developers can access um, the the 5G APIs um, directly in a fully automated way. Hmm. This is no, one you, of you've the been, you, you mentioned you've been you mentioned you've been a, a, around for some time here, and um, but if we go back and look at the telecom sector in the nineties, you know it was really booming. But then over the last few years, it's been a bit different. So what what happened here? By the way, the first thing is we have to split between the US and we have to split between the European uh, market. Um, and, and by the way, that is even you know um, a historical way of of dealing with things. In the 90s, you know, uh, the margins of the telco industries were very high. And by the way, I think our industry made a big mistake that time with very high roaming charges, not opening up the market. So the regulator had to intervene 
and highly regulated that market at that time. Uh, while in the US, you know, this market was growing. It was not regulated at all from the beginning. Different policy was taking place. Spectrum was mm. not rented. Spectrum was sold. So different ways of dealing with the same uh, same environment. Now, um, from that time, Europe created a market of 27 uh, markets where the political idea was in every market we need something like four players. Now, that means we have more than 100 players for a, a continent like Europe, for 500 million people. In the US, you have only three and a half players for a market of 330 million. So the industry is today totally different. You have economies of scale in the US, while you have a fragmentation over competition in, in Europe. 35 will you get, will you get more consolidation than in Europe, you think? It is needed. It is definitely needed. 35 players in Europe have less than 500,000 um, uh, uh, customers on their infrastructure. Mm. So they can never play. They're only interested in contribution to margin. They're only trying to survive the next quarter, but they're not investing strategic long term. So mm. the return on capital employed in the European market is half of the return on capital employed in the U.S., the mm. prices of the U.S. market are three times higher per customer than in Europe. So that is good for customers. But the consequence of this is the industry in the U.S. is investing significantly more into modern infrastructure than they are able um, um, uh, um, in, in, in Europe. Let's talk about the infrastructure. So you say we now have 30% growth in uh, you know, traffic. You do all the work. The big tech companies take all the profits. How happy that's are you right. about that? How By the happy way, are you about a, that? That's a, that's a quote which uh, Eric Schmidt, uh, you know, uh, the former Google um, 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 manager did once. He said, you know, um, uh, you build the networks, we, build, we take the profit. So, yep. And this is exactly what's happening. Look, and what do you um, think about it? What do you think about it? I, I think it's totally wrong. Um, and uh, we have started a fair share debate uh, from our industry, um, and we have just published a letter from the 20, uh, the biggest uh, telcos here in Europe, um, um, where we said, look, guys, the industry is growing by 30 to 40 percent capacity every single year. You know, we expect now a 4K video coming across uh, the YouTube channels. We expect, let's say, that everything um, um, is, is a video. Um, the Netflix and the streaming industry is booming. Uh, and all this traffic is going into our networks and they're not, you know, taking any cost on the infrastructure. So this is a construction mistake when the World Wide Web was built. At that time, AT&T, Deutsche Telekom, Orange, the big telcos connected their networks. And they did that on a for free basis. Why did they do that? They said, you give me traffic, I give you traffic, we balance this out, so we make it a net sum game for zero cost. What can you today, do about it? Today, 80%, 80% of the whole traffic in our infrastructure is coming from players who don't provide any kind of infrastructure in exchange, which are you know, uh, 10 big players from the U.S. Uh, environment. These are the GAFAs, um, uh, mainly, and the streaming uh, services. And our position is, for the ones who are, provide, who are eating up more than 5% of the total traffic, only the ones who have more than 5%, they should contribute and they should give us, as an industry or as a tax, I don't care, they should give us a contribution which is helping us to build the capacity for the next generation. So how that will you is get, the way... How will you get, and, and how will you get that contribution? What are you going to do about it? 
look, the first thing is we do not want to increase the prices for our customers because th they simply say, by the way, if you want to if you want to uh, reimburse your cost, just increase the end customer prices. But you know, in this political landscape in Europe, um, and uh, with the, the customer orientation which we are having, we don't want to increase the prices of the end customers. So therefore, we want to let them participate. They should pay us for the traffic they are uh, putting into our infrastructures, a certain termination fee, um, uh, as we know it from the past and uh, in other places uh, of our industries. And this is then helping us to, to stem this huge billions of cost which we have in our industries. We call that mm. fair share, um, only for the ones who have more than 5% of the traffic. Look, mm. one last sentence. It cannot be that our networks are spammed with advertising. Um, and they always do this to take out data from consumers, which they monetize then in the US. And what you have seen is the European telco industry, and we are the biggest player, we have a market cap of 100 billion, while the US players in these industries are all trillions of market cap. And there is an asymmetry in our industry, which we have to um, uh, balance a bit. They should contribute um, and help us to build this um, next generation networks. Clearly a job to do here, Tim. But um, when you look at uh, Deutsche Telekom, uh, huge success. Um, what's the secret sauce here? Why have you guys been good? The secret sauce is always willing to transform, always willing to go new ways. Second, focus. Being very focused on the classical connectivity part. Thirdly, it's about um, the attitude which our people have with regard to we don't want to be good. We want to be leading, leading in every category. Our aspiration is always to do things not in a good way, in a leading way. So always compare that. If everybody in the company would apply to this aspiration, the jigsaw of the whole organization will be leading. And that is what we are trying to drive. How does Deutsche Telekom look in 10 years' time? How do you look differently? That's too fast for me. But, you know, I'm not ready with, you know, where we are, where, where we are striving for. I think, you know, this, this issue of being number one in the markets and this attitude of always wanting to be leading, I think this is good. But now we have to face customer satisfaction in comparison to the big internet companies. So therefore, for me, the new benchmark is not anymore the telco sector. The benchmarks is the service which you can get from, um, from the highly digitized companies. And therefore, full automation of our services, the way of you know, um, bringing new adjacent service to our connectivity, easy to use for our customers, even the way of um, the capabilities of embracing new technologies like AI for us, this becoming a leading digital company, leading digital telco, this is our um, uh, new strategic imperative, uh, which we are driving here in the company. And therefore, I'm more comparing me now with the digital ecosystem than with the classical telcos. Mm. So fast forward 10 years, how, what does Deutsche Telekom look like, you think? Look, we own the majority of the most valuable telco company in the world already, which is our T-Mobile US business. We are in all the markets where we are operating, except one, you know, we are number one in mobile and fixed line services. So Deutsche Telekom will be um, number one um, in the world 
for telecommunication services. We keep our focus, keep our focus on the connectivity part. That is the basis for whatever we were going to do. This is where our core capabilities are. The second thing is, I think there will be a European market consolidation where Deutsche Telekom is best positioned to create a European, a central European player in this very important industries with its values, um, uh, with its um, uh, uh, legacy, with its knowledge and its skills based in Europe for the Western world. That is, I think, you know, uh, my aspiration, you know, going forward. I don't see immediate acquisitions or mergers in Europe. I think we are, we, we are still in this phase of very um, federal um, uh, uh, ambitions. But I think in 10 years, um, uh, this will, be, uh, will have changed. If I gave you a lot of money, like a lot of money, where would you deploy it? Look, by the way, I think we have a lot of money. So <laughs> we are a 100 billion company. Um, uh, I have triple B plus ratings uh, in all regards. So um, uh, I have a high um, um, credit worthiness in the market. So if we need money, if we would, would ask for money, you know, um, we can easily um, uh, uh, get it. But look, uh, the b money should be spent in areas where you um, um, gain appropriate profits. So therefore, find the right way. And on top of that, don't go in areas which you don't understand. So, you know, don't jump on something and, you know, um, uh, burn the chips and then think, you know, now we are in the cloud era or now we go into a, a new consumers, digital consumer service, or we go in software development for applications or whatever. I can tell you we will, uh, we will lose a lot of money. So, so therefore, it should be expanding the adjacency. If I would have more money, I would spend it at the edges of our connectivity piece. Because I believe there is a certain commoditization of 5G service and fiber going forward. So that means every year we are investing, but there is a certain way that the prices for the services uh, will be flattish or will, will, will decline. So therefore the question is, to create a growth company, you have to work on the use cases around this connectivity. And that is what, what we are thinking about. How will um, artificial intelligence change the way you work? Look, um, eight, artificial intelligence is a game changer. And uh, ChatGPT was this kind of moment which we all witnessed. I can tell you, it will change the world. Now, there was long time development of AI as well in our companies. We are using bots for years already uh, in our organization. We have machine learning functionalities. But ChatGPT, the, the automation of natural language. So, by the way, the reason why the Homo sapiens is superior to all the others uh, uh, living on this earth is because of our language, because of our communication. Suddenly, we have a tool which automates that. This was a breakthrough, um, and it's definitely an inflection point in history. So, therefore, it will affect everything. Now, what are we doing? There are areas where you have a lot of data. These are the areas where you should start with AI. In our case, it's the customer interaction. So we are modernizing our bots on ChatGPT basis. So we are learning from the classical protocols, from all, let's say, the... Um, um, the um, uh, taped or the the um, known uh, customer interaction, the system learns from that one and in 
in the connection, in the prompt, which we connect to all the knowledge which we have about the network functionalities, the products, the tariffs, and the like, we create a new bot. By the way, we will have that bot already this year as an MVP uh, here in Germany to experiment with this new way of interactive customer service um, via a machine. And what, kind area, of, what, um, sorry, and what kind of device do you think we will need to really communicate with, with AI? I mean, you have the likes of Sam Altman and so on now developing we will, completely new things. Will, what, do you, what, do you, what do you think it will be? We will talk. Everything else is not natural. You know, our, our screens, our, our uh, keyboards, everything is something we have learned to communicate easier. We don't need that. Everything will take place via your natural speech. Will it be, will it be will a phone or what do, you, what do you think it will be? No, you're just talking to a mic. And, and, the where, mic and, what kind, then, and where will that mic? What would the mic be connected to? It will be connected to a machine, and the machine will understand what your needs are. Whether you have an, a, a request towards your uh, uh, telco bill, whether it will be a request uh, towards a technical issue in the machine, whether it will be, you know, um, a, 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 a command which you give, you know, to change maybe um, a, 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 a protocol or a change, you know, um, a, a software. You know, you will do this um, uh, uh, with your with the, with the most natural way of communication, just with uh, with your mouth. And this is the first one. It will be multimodal. So we will not only have speech to speech. We will have as well a speech which is creating presentations, speeches which is created in pictures. So the machine will transfer our language into uh, uh, doing, into the automated way of, of um, uh, 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 making our life easier. And that is the purpose of it, making our life easier. Um, it will take over first routines, but prospectively it will even help us to be more creative. Um, you can easily fine-tune the models, yet, yet you're not only getting the average of an answer, but even the edges of answers in the LLM models. So therefore, you know, you, you will get as well new kind of creative inspirations. It will be always a human-machine interface. I don't believe that the machine is taking over. I don't believe that. It will be always that I'm easing my life, I get new inspirations, I get new ideas, new knowledge, with the machine, and then I transfer that and transfer that into my daily work. It will get us faster. Um, it will get us more skilled. Think about program languages and other things which you uh, uh, cannot um, uh, work on today. It will help us to simplify uh, our living, and it will definitely you know, take away routines um, which we, which gives us more time to create more more important things, more creative things. It will create new jobs. That is what my conviction is. Yeah, I love I love that optimistic uh, uh, you know vision. I uh, I share it uh, totally. But um, how do you think artificial intelligence will um, impact the geopolitical tensions, which we touched upon earlier? My biggest worry, and you know. Excuse me, I'm a German, and for the Germans, the glass is there's always nothing, there's half nothing empty. To, there's nothing to excuse. There's nothing to excuse Look, here, you know. But you know, I very often hear, you know, ah, come on, you know, the Americans, we are positive, you know, while the Europeans are always in this kind of mode of saying the glass is half empty. And at the end of the day, if the glass is not half empty, if the glass is, is half full, you know, we are always surprised by the good things, you know. To be a pessimist is always the better surviving strategy because you're never disappointed. Anyhow, that said, you know. Everything in these times 
get used as a weapon. We have seen oil, we have seen gas, we have seen grain, we have seen um, uh, food, data. Everything is used as a weapon. And it seems to be that in this world where kind of, you know, the the classical organization is somewhat the kind of the, 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 the caudal alignment between our values is a little bit, let's say, getting fragmented or falling apart. In this world, AI will be used as a tool as well to manipulate. And therefore, you know, we have to find new ways. What is the answer? By the way, it's even a business answer. ID management, very important, you know, so that you you have to uh, certify who is talking to you. It might be that you are sitting here with my avatar and you don't recognize that. So, so therefore, how can you make sure that it's Tim talking to you right now? So this certified protocols, not only on persons, but as well on data, is something um, uh, which is getting more importance in the future. Um, and um, to make sure that we don't have fake news and other things. I have, to, I have to say, Tim, you, I have to, Tim, I have to say, if you're an avatar, you're a pretty clever one. I'm not sure because, you know, I'm not so easy to predict for a machine. I hope at least, you know, but uh, <laughs> maybe the the experts are, are looking on that one. Um, but what about, but, but, but moving on. But, stay but unique. It, absolutely. In the uh, But in the connection to that, what about equipment? You know, Huawei, uh, how is this going to play out with the uh, equipment providers in the various parts of the world? The first thing, as I said, we should not be naive. Everything is used as a weapon. And therefore, you know, we cannot run in the Western world technology uh, where you have a kill switch in the software or kill switch somewhere in, in, in your uh, 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 te technical um, infrastructure. So therefore, you know, on top of that, you cannot be dependent on only one single supplier. You have to build a multi-supplier um, uh, strategy, which gives us easy. This world is getting more difficult, uh, more vulnerable. And therefore, you know, for us as a company, we are taking actions on this one. When you, when, you say kill, when you say kill switch, you mean that a country can turn, turn off your yes. infrastructure? Yes. Think about if somebody would be able to turn off the um, the emails or, or, or the, the 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 data traffic for a day, you know this the economic the economic effect would be uh, um, uh, detrimental. It would be it would be significant. So that said, that said, you know we have to make sure that we are having control about critical infrastructure at any time, um, and that is what we're doing. Um, we have. For instance, in the mobile network, our core network, where the data is aggregated, in the IP aggregation network, where data is transferred, we have full control. We only have Western providers. Now, it's not against the Chinese, but it is better, you know, from this in this political world, you know, to have a multi-vendor strategy which is providing on this one. I don't believe it's a good idea to shut down uh, the doors um, uh, uh, to to China. Um, um, their innovation, their creativity, um, the way how they have, you know, performed in our industry in the past was as well a great learning impact as well for Nokia and Ericsson. Uh, it, it, it brought innovation to our uh, industries. Uh, and, and on top of that, I believe that being open, talking to these people, working with these people, using these people will keep globalization intact. I don't believe if we are banning Huawei, that this will 
uh, not have an impact to other industries. And if we are closing down or decoupling our industries, what do we have? What is this society about? I don't believe that's the way forward. So therefore, don't be naive. Critical component securities um, uh, focus that you have them always under control, even if you run them your own with your own software. Um, and on top of that, use the globalization for the competition of technologies and to learn, you know, how different um, um, continents are evolving. Mm. In addition to AI, what other innovations do you think will define the telco sector in the next decade? Um, multifold, by the way, multifold. Um, it starts with the, in our industry, by the way, the development of the own software, which is running the antennas, uh, which we call Open RAN. Um, where we do a lot of coding, a lot of things, um, uh, artificial intelligence will help us um, to de develop that code faster. Um, the whole management of cloud infrastructures, uh, our, infra our networks are operating from cloud infrastructures. We, we call that disaggregated infrastructure. In this disaggregated infrastructure, um, the protocols which we are using there will be, um, uh, will be supported by AI. The way how we are interacting with our customers, I mentioned that already, bots, you know, will be based um, uh, with AI tools. Um, the, by the way, teaching our agents, teaching our service people will work with AI. We have already a tool based in Hungary and in Germany, which we are using to learn from the talks we had with our customers in the past to understand what the best interactions were for these individual cases and teach our um, uh, service people that they have more success in the interaction um, So with, with, their, with their clients. So it's not only you know, for the customer, it's as well for our own people uh, to learn from that one. And then we have this whole area of internal processes. And I can tell you how many processes big companies have who could be automated. How many services, you know, where artificial intelligence can be used. I'm using ChatGPT4 on a daily basis. By the way, I'm doing a lot of letters where I'm saying, by the way, I want to say this, 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 and this. Do that in a friendly manner. And by the way, consider that, you know, I'm writing this letter to South Korea or whatsoever. And, you know, I get a, a draft um, a, a letter then um, um, provided by um, by ChatGPT. I love it. Um, and um, I change a little bit, um, but then I send it out. And I look, I look, I look forward I, to seeing the letter. I hope I'll get one from you. Uh, there are a lot of ones, you know. <laughs> Maybe you get one, you know, and you will not find out that it was, you know, um, uh, quickly, you know, uh, reagent by the system. Absolutely. Moving tack a bit here um, and moving on to corporate culture, which I know you are very, uh, you know, mm. is high on your agenda. What, what, how would you describe just uh, in short the core values of Deutsche Telekom? In short. Uh, first, the cultural change of Deutsche Telekom is the most important the most important driver of the success of this company. The first one is, by the way, everybody would say customer first. Okay, you can say that, but you have to live that. Um, that, is, that is definitely the thing. The second one, curiosity. Always been curious about new things. The third one is the element of you know, purpose and belonging. We are very tied to each other. We, are, we feel like I would not say family, that is too much, you know, but we feel togetherness. And by the way, history is, we were always, you know, a kind of state-owned company, you know, we were always the one who were attacked. This created this kind of mentality of a, of a, of a castle, 
you know, where people were defending themselves. And we have used this now for getting extroverted. Look how many people are on social media talking about the company. If every employee is the communication department of this organization and everybody's showing his tea and his magenta, the message is very strong. We believe in our products. We believe in our, the strength of our company and customers are recognizing this. And customers are always want to be with the winner. Success is a formula of discipline plus talent times attitude. The attitude of the way how we're doing that, and I'm coming back to leading. Leading is our attitude. Everybody should have this attitude to do things in a better way than the others. So performance-oriented. Um, this is the way we're doing. And to me, for me, a lot has to do with empowerment. You know, I cannot run a business in Seattle, 9,000 kilometers away from here, and tell these people how the tariff of the next proposition should look like. I should trust these people that they are doing the right thing. So I would say 80% of our business is driven by empowerment of local people, building the right networks, having a great service, having good propositions for their customers, being, let's say, uh, uh, aggressive on the competition uh, and, you know, considering um, the, um, the um, um, appropriate return on investments. But centralize the ones which you have to do. So I would say 20% central, 80% decentral gives a lot of empowerment to the people. How does this tally with um, being a German company? You know, we think about a German huh. company as being very process-oriented, um, you know, top-down, structured. No. I think hierarchically, look, I always said demystify the CEO. You know, and I can tell you when I see the CEOs in the US, you know, they sometimes behave like gods. You know, I always say, you know, I'm, uh, I'm one employee as everybody else, and I always have to own a discipline. If I'm not good in one discipline, if I cannot be a, a, a role model for doing practical work my side, how can I be, you know, um, telling the other people how they should do their work? So everybody is a worker. Everybody, you know, is a worker. I always say guard horse. You know, everybody should be a guard horse. We do not need escort winners here. We need guard horses in this organization. And how, do, and how do you stay connected with the ground? How do you try to stay grounded? <laughs> Look, my, my, whole, my whole business is that way. You know, I, I can tell you I have daily interaction with young people of the organization. I'm on the front line. Please follow my, 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 my Instagram, YouTube, or LinkedIn channels. You know, I was one day digging the ground, you know, uh, and, and, and putting fiber into houses. So I was doing the practical work. You know, I drilled the walls. I was, you know, um, 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 digging the grounds. So I was trying to understand, you know, how our processes are working. I always want to be on the lowest, you know, the operational level of this organization to underhouse uh, where the money is going. Um, and and that is the, that's the way how I'm trying to stay grounded. Um, I'm spending significantly more time with customer service, with the uh, technical infrastructure, and with, let's say, new business models than I'm spending, for instance, with capital markets. Mm. What do you, so, what do you, so what do you think is the most important part of your CEO job? Um, by the way, um, the, the most important is the shadow of the leader. I know about that principle. So if I'm not committed, if I'm not living up to the values of this company, if I'm not the role model, um, 100% applying to the rules which we have communicated, nobody will follow the rules. 
So I have to be visible and I have to be very authentic in the way how I'm coming across. I should be part of the organization that the authenticity means people should say he understands the business. He understands what we are doing. He understands as well, hopefully, most of the problems which we are having. Uh, he is not, you know, somebody who is a superstar, you know, uh, sitting in, in, in talk shows or hanging out with celebrities all day long. He should be a worker in this organization. I think this is it. I earn, I don't want to be loved. I want to have respect for what I'm doing. And this comes from the, from the jobs I do personally. Being, let's say, deals like the US deal, being it like operational team in the communication, being led fighting outside for um, uh, political uh, topics for this company. This is, let's say, um, um, uh, how I want to be perceived, respected, that I'm always 100% committed. First, always Deutsche Telekom. How do you make decisions? Do you um, need a lot of analysis or are you more uh, gut feel, pattern recognition type I, of person? I have, to, I have to say, people always say to me, Tim, Follow your intuition. Tell me what your intuition is, um, because we love your uh, intuition of of about things. To be honest, I'm personally different. I analyze everything. I always, you know, looking on the pros, the cons, you know, the opportunities. You know, I'm always listening to a lot of people. I want to get, let's say, a full picture of a holistic view, cubistic, a holistic view about, let's say, uh, what are we talking about. And then, you know, I'm drawing a conclusion of that one. Interesting-wise, sometimes the conclusion comes automatically. So you do not have to always, you know, show the organization, I'm calling the shots. Let, let the a discussion maintain and organize a discussion in your organization. And suddenly, the organization falls into a, a conclusion where you can say, that's the right one, go ahead. And rather sitting there and calling the shots all the time. Are you a perfectionist? I'm I'm a perfectionist. Yes. I have what are the say. what are the what are the disadvantages of being a perfectionist? You're too slow, and uh, because you know you always want to you know improve things you know until the uh, uh, to the ultimate. Um, uh, sometimes you hate. I'm never happy. I'm never satisfied. I think this is the the biggest negative. By the way, it's good for the company because you know I have. I can never, and that is psychologically maybe one of the biggest uh, issues you can analyze, is I'm never happy about something. You know, I did a big deal, uh, successful, you know, with Sprint. And to be honest, I enjoyed it maybe for an hour. And then I was thinking about what are now the complexities, the problems which are coming from that one, and what do I have to uh, solve next? What are the relentless? How do you think it is to work for somebody who is never happy? To be honest, I I I have a lot of people who are working for me for quite quite some time. Um, I think at the beginning it is um, demotivating. I think at the beginning it's hard. Then people understand. I have a good humor, so I'm always easy. I'm always you know in 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 in. I, I like to laugh a lot in in the office. I make a lot of jokes as well. Maybe not always the best ones, but you know at least you know I'm trying to be as funny as possible. So people have always this warm and cold a little bit. Now, after a while, maybe if they don't, if I don't appreciate their work, people are learning that whatever I'm doing, I'm doing this because I want to make this Deutsche Telekom even more successful. I always mm. stand for the company. And then they start, you know, 
organizing themselves and they don't become dependent on constant appreciation for me. They find, you know, their satisfaction in the achievements which we jointly have. And then after a while, they say, by the way, it's normal that Tim is not appreciating that, you know, that is how he is. Let's move on and follow him. I think, you know, we are on a good track. I think that is this three phases of, of how I'm not, I'm not somebody who's really applauding and appreciating all time. But nevertheless, I'm very happy in the way how the organization is striving for awards, how the organization is striving for success and how ambitious this organization became over the last 10 years. I read an interview with uh, Roger Federer, the tennis player. He said when he was young and he won a game, he just moved straight back on the court and continued to train. Now, when he got a bit older, he stayed the night, had a glass of champagne with his wife and celebrated success. So it probably is important, you know, from time to time. That's your advice, you know, so... Um, no, I, I don't have any advice. You know, I don't want to go into Goethe's Faust, you know, but Goethe's Faust and uh, uh, in Goethe, you know, there's Faustus and Faustus makes this deal with Mephisto. And the deal is, you know, Mephisto says, the moment where you stop striving for better, the moment where you are uh, saying, I want to enjoy that specific moment, verweile doch, du bist so schön. That moment you lose your life to the devil. And therefore, the mentality of, of me is a little bit like Dr. Faustus, who is constantly, you know, curious, constantly striving for something new, constantly driving this organization. And maybe the moment where I stop and enjoy that moment, you know, I will lose my life to devil. So therefore, um, uh, please, uh, I, I hear your <laughs> advice, but so far, not, I haven't well, adapted it. Now, Tim, you started your life uh, in strategic consulting, and some of these companies, uh, such as McKinsey, they say that uh, you know they hire insecure overachievers. Is that where you is that is that where you were when you started your working life? I, I think I'm still a, a insecure overachiever. So uh, that is, and I, I admit that I said that in front of my my leadership team. I don't think that's wrong. You know, I'm insecure because a lot of challenges are coming. You never have a kind of white and, and and black answer. It's everything is gray, and you have to to navigate companies. You know, two hundred thousand employees, including their families, through through this fog. And therefore, you know, there is no 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 kind of security in this one. But mm. you know, I'm always you know, and I said it earlier. I always you know anticipate the worst. And then when it turns out, you know, that it's getting better, I'm happy. And if you anticipate the worst, you prepare yourself, maybe more diligent, more deeper than, than, than the others. At least, you know, that was my recipe uh, so far. Um, and then you are surprised if you overachieve at the end of the day. So therefore, mm -hmm. I don't think it's, it's something bad with this. Um, uh, nevertheless, you know, um, uh, I think, you know, we can be, There is a lot of, let's say, uh, self-conviction in me of, you know, being now in the operations for more than 35 years. And therefore, I have a lot of, let's say, um, uh, 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 stamina and a lot of, let's say, convictions um, that um, this company is very successful. And on top of that, I have to say, all the ingredients, market structure, spectrum positions, um, the, um, the leverage situation of the company, uh, capabilities, technology, know-how, all they say the ingredients for a future success of Deutsche Telekom are very strong today. And therefore, I'm, I, I, I think we are, we are at a good place.
Mm. How do you define success at your at the personal level? Um, for me, um, stay happy as a person. Um, a bird can only fly with two wings. That is this classical American example, and but there's a lot of truth in it. If you have problems with your health, if you have problems with your family, if you have problems in your private life, um, over time it will eat into your business life as well. So it is very important that um, you keep a very balanced personality, that you take time for yourself, that you have your own life aside from the company. Second, it is very important that you are happy with this. You know, don't try and you can fight in difficult situations. It's not that I recommend that if you don't like your situation, immediately throw it away and try something new. You have to fight through this, but you should set yourself limits and say, by the way, if, if it's not improving after a year, after one and a half years, whatever timeline you have, uh, and it's still the situation, then move on and do something different. Um, and on top of that, you know, Find your interest, your private interest. Always stay curious, you know. We like to travel. I like my sports. I'm very intensively, you know, balancing. I'm now 60 and I have to work on my body on a constant basis. I have three times a week a personal trainer in the company that I stay fit for this job. And, you know, so this helps me to stay happy as a person. How do you relax? In activity. You know, I'm not somebody who can sit, you know, for too long on the beach. Or Sometimes I have these moments, you know, of, you know, an hour, uh, you know, doing nothing. But I'm a very active person. You know, my wife, you know, gets mad with me, but she's with me for 30 years. So she gets mad with me because I'm constantly, you know, thinking about, you know, don't waste your time. You know what? What can we? What, what can we explore? Is there something uh, which we can find? And I think that's it's an it gives a lot of energy. It's a it's a it's, it gives a lot of power, which I can then even transfer into the company. And I'm always exploring new things. What do you read? This time, I, I by the way, I read these days a lot of um, um, newspapers and uh, about psychology. Um, um, and the book which I'm reading recently you would be love is called the inner game it is the question you know how your your inner um, um uh, perception your inner mentality is influencing uh, your doing your activities in sports in this case for instance in golf or as well in in your business and i'm trying to understand a little bit more what is what is driving attitude so this is an interesting book and i always try to draw analogies for my business out of this. Mm. Lastly, we have tens of thousands of uh, young people listening into this. What is your advice to young people? The first thing is stay curious. Always, you know, not, you know, being it in your private, in your business life. Explore the world. Explore people. Explore Uh, um, new areas go deep in 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 certain things but as well you know look right and left of it um and always you know stay in this momentum of that changes that things which are transforming is something good enjoy them than rather being afraid of it M train your muscles for change um get out of your comfort zones 
get out of your comfort zones on a constant basis and do things, you know, if it's a marathon or I, I had to get off my comfort zone last year. And I, I sailed with five friends and a and a and a forty-eight uh, um, uh, uh, feet boat, you know, from from uh, Gran Canaria to San Lucia. This was twenty days on the ocean. I had to get out of my comfort zone to challenge myself and say, "By the way, I have to broaden my horizon." Very good, Tim. This has been super interesting and very very inspiring for us all. A big thanks for taking the time and good luck with everything. Thank you, Nikolai. We keep very on good. running and we won't stop. Mm-hmm.